Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. before we get started. So Father, I just thank you so much for tonight. God, for your presence in this place, Holy Spirit. I thank you for the opportunity for allowing me to share on a part of who you are. Holy Spirit, I pray for the spirit of conviction to rest in this place. God, that it's not my words, it's your words. And Father, as the spirit of conviction rests in this place, God, I pray that it destroy every ounce of condemnation. Because this is not a message to condemn, it is a message to call higher. And so, Father, we thank you that tonight, as a body, we are coming higher. God, this is where you're calling us to, God. You have set a standard of holiness, Father. And so you are bringing us up to that standard of holiness tonight, Father. God, we thank you for grace to grow in this holiness, Father. God, grace, Father, to mature and develop this holiness, Father. We thank you, Jesus, that we have open ears, open eyes tonight, Father. Speak freely through me. Move in this place tonight, Father. Open our hearts to receive. And we thank you, Jesus. Amen. So I have a lot of scripture um, that we're going to walk through tonight. Um, This morning when I was in prayer, I was praying about when I was supposed to share this statement that he made. (coughs) But one thing, Pastor prayed. Um, Go ahead and say this. This morning in prayer, I heard Holy Spirit say that the body of Christ, his people, has crucified holiness on the altar of our comfort and our opinions. He said, tonight holiness is being resurrected. So with that being in mind, I'm tired of the comfort. We've crucified holiness on the altar of our comfort and opinions. Tonight, holiness is being resurrected. I want to move past the place of comfort, past the place of what I think it should look like, how I feel. Oh, I'm, I don't want to be pushed out of my comfort zone. I don't want to be pushed out of my box that I've been in and my mindset that I've been in for years and years and years and years, and I've just done it this way, so I'm always going to do it this way. I'm done with that. And I can feel Holy Spirit's heart tonight that if we'll catch this, if we'll catch this level of holiness that he says, be holy for I am holy, if we'll catch this, guys, we're going somewhere. As a body, we are going somewhere. Okay, so 1 Peter 1, 14 through 17, the scripture that set this in motion in my spirit. Um, Live as children of obedience to God. Right there, the word live, obviously, means to make your home in a particular place. I must make my home in obedience. That must be where I reside, where I live. That on a day-to-day basis, I'm not moving in and out of obedience. I'm all obedience, or obedient or I'm none at all. And I want y'all to know this is a steady thing that I am having to work out in my own life. Just because this is what I'm preaching on tonight does not mean that this is all together, that I have this perspective because I don't want y'all to believe that at all. Because every day God is showing me, oh, you weren't very holy in that area. You weren't very obedient right there. So just want y'all to know that. Um, 
Okay, so live as children of obedience to God. Make your home in obedience. Do not conform yourselves to the evil desires that governed you in your former ignorance when you did not know the requirements of the gospel. But as the one, sorry, this is the amplified version, but as the one who called you is holy, you yourselves also be holy in all your conduct and manner of living. For it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call upon him as your father who judges each one impartially according to what he does, then you should conduct yourselves with true reverence throughout the time of your temporary residence on the earth, whether long or short. So to be holy, how many of you were here whenever pastor preached on holiness? He, he touched on it. Okay. Um, it was been a couple of Monday nights ago. Um, he talked about holiness, so y'all may hear some of this. Sorry, some of the same things. Um, but there, I have been bouncing a lot of this off of our pastors and off of my husband and friends. And um, okay, so to be holy means to be set apart. It means to be picked out of the world, purified and sanctified. In the scripture I just read in 1 Peter, it says to be holy in all your conduct. So if I'm going to be set apart, it means I have to be set apart in every, in all of my conduct, in every part of my life, I have to be set apart. It's not just set apart in the parts that I feel comfortable setting apart, right? It's all of my ways, all of my conduct, all of my manner of living. So it's not just in my actions, Okay, I want us to get this. It's not just in my actions, what I do, my behavior, what people can see, but what's going on internally? What's going on on the inside? What are my, what are my internal responses when someone does something to me that I really don't agree with? Am I truly acting like Jesus on the inside? Or is my mind going all with me telling them what I think and all of this in my mind? Because where is your heart? That's what I want us to see tonight. Holiness is not just a behavioral thing. It's a heart posture. It's a heart. So I can't just be worried about my behavior and what I'm doing and what it looks like to everyone else around me. It's not about appearance. It's what's on the inside that truly matters. Because God sees the inside. Okay, so have we allowed God to set us apart from the rest of the world? Do we have His desires? Our desires, worldly desires, where is our heart? The other day in prayer, I say the other day, I guess it's been a month ago, um, I was praying and I pick on Colby because of his timeline and I'm doing it right now. Uh, the other day I was praying and um, just praying on holiness and asking just, God, stir up the passion within us. Stir up the passion of holiness within our body, within the body as a whole. Not just life church, but the body as a whole. And I heard God so clearly say, I am stirring up within the church a zero tolerance for anything less than holiness. So this made me so much more confident in what he's doing. That if he says it, I know it's true. Because he doesn't go back on his word. So he is stirring up within us a zero tolerance for anything less than holiness. That he set the standard. He says, be holy for I am holy. 
And that's the standard he is setting up. And so don't be alarmed if things that you used to be okay with aren't okay anymore. Because he says it, I'm stirring up a zero tolerance. You're literally not going to be able to tolerate unholiness in your home. It's changing our home. And, and we didn't just live in this crazy sin. And also, you know, we're all Christians here. But there were, there were things that, that, just little things, maybe the way that I talked to him or the way that I responded to him or even things on my television that weren't bad. But, well, in my eyes at the time, they weren't. But when God began to stir up, hey, that's not holy. What you used to could tolerate, you can't tolerate anymore because I am a holy God that's living on the inside of you. And it wasn't like those things weren't always there. Those convictions were always there. But my value was raised. My value of holiness was raised. So tonight, I believe that's what he's going to do is he's going to raise your value of holiness. He's going to raise your value of him on the inside of you. That when the conviction comes, when, hey, that's not okay anymore comes, immediately it's going to bring repentance. I've to- I completely believe that, that we are going to walk out of this place tonight expecting this to come, if you want it, expecting this level of holiness to be going to rise up within us. Um, So holiness is his ultimate design for his children. Ephesians 1, 4. And he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself, even before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with unstained innocence. So from the very beginning, he joined us to ourselves, back to himself. He joined us to himself so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes. This was his design from the very beginning for his kids for us to be holy, for us to walk in holiness. Most of you know who uh, Chris Valentin is. Um, he, uh, he said once in a message, he said, holiness is our privilege to look like our Father. It's our privilege. That as a Christian, I have the honor to look like my dad. I have the very privilege to look like the one who is holy. We are... We were created from the dirt. We are, in, we are nothings, but to him, we're holy. To him, he values us enough to place his holiness on us, to bring us back to him, to join us back to him and call us holy. That's how our Father sees us, as holy. Matthew five forty one. Before I read that, a couple of weeks after that first statement he said about the zero tolerance for anything less, um, I was praying, I was praying in my spirit, in the spirit language, and I was um, just walking back and forth in my room, and immediately I went from praying in the spirit to I vocalized and I said, I'd rather be too strict and be holy than not strict enough and risk holiness. And as soon as I said that, I, I even texted our pastors, and I was like, is this right? Like, is this, is this okay, like, that I said this? Like, because immediately the enemy came as soon as that and said, that's just too religious. Like, you're just being too religious. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm at that place where I'd rather get rid of everything, get rid of everything, 
If it means removing relationships, putting them at a distance, if it means throwing my TV into the yard, if it means um, moving away from certain things that makes my mind go to places, whatever that looks like, then that's where I want to be to be holy. Matthew 5.41 says, Be willing to go the... Oh, sorry, sorry, no, it doesn't. Uh, Matthew 5.41 says, And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. The word compel, it means means several different things. Um, But one of the definitions that came up when I looked up the word compel, it actually means um, to be yielded to. So when I'm compelled, the only way I can be compelled is if I'm yielded to the one that's compelling me. Does that make sense? So I can only compel, be compelled whenever I'm yielded to that one that's compelling me. So if I'm yielded to Holy Spirit in him in my life, Holy Spirit, I mean, uh, Josh, Holy Spirit in Josh, preached a phenomenal message Sunday morning on Holy Spirit. If you were not here, go listen to it. But if I am yielded to Holy Spirit and allowing him to do things in my life and allowing him to burn away the chaff and to cut away the things that don't look like him, if I'm yielded to him, then when he asks me to go further than what I've gone before, I'll go. It, be, it begins to be where... It's not unreasonable for me to go further because I'm so in love with the one who's asking me to go further. It's like, how how can I not? When you gave everything, how can I not? When I'm in love with the one who's asking me to to go further in in holiness. When you're yielded, dead, dead to you, going the extra mile is easy because it's no longer about me. It's no longer about my comfort. It's no longer about my opinions. It's about him. Hey, John 15, 19 in the Amplified. If you belong to the world, the world would treat you with affection and would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, no longer one with it, but I have chosen you, selected you, Out of the world, the world hates and detests you. We are no longer one with the world. It says that we've been chosen out of the world. So our example is always Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. We look all throughout Scripture, and our example is always Jesus. It's always Him. That's That's how we look. That's our standard that we have to live to. So anytime Jesus was in the world, he was always changing the atmosphere around him. He walked into a room and there was freedom. The atmosphere around him was never changing the spirit on the inside of him. He was always the one changing the atmosphere. So that's why it, and I used, I used to live this way, that's why it blows my mind sometimes whenever you hear people saying, well, it's just in my job and in this, it's so difficult for me to stay holy because all the people around me are using bad language and they're gossiping and they're talking about this, this, and that. Is he that's in you not greater than he that's in the world? 
If we truly believe in Scripture and believe that the Word of God is holy, then we believe that he that's in me is greater than he that's in the world. So when I'm in the world, I'm not of it, right? right. So that we're in the world, we're not of the world. The world's not changing who's on the inside of me. When I truly believe who is on the inside of me, that it's the holy God who says I am to be holy because he is holy, then I'll change the atmosphere in an instant because he changes everything. It says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So he's re he released freedom everywhere that he went. And holiness is freedom. And freedom scares religious people. Holiness is freedom. When you live on the level of holiness that he's asking us to go, there's going to be comments. I'm just going to say that. People are going to say, you're too radical. You're too religious. You don't have to do all that to go to heaven. Okay, maybe not, but what about the more that God promises us in his, in his word? What about that we're supposed to be developing and maturing in this holiness that he says is mine? We learned that the la the last in, in Colossians, the last time I was able to speak, and I, we talked about that when we live in the light, we've been given his inheritance. Holiness is my inheritance. So don't let the temptation to be normal or less radical to come in. And don't let people telling you you're too religious hinder your holiness. How many times was Jesus spit on and called all these names and I mean, was crucified because they didn't believe he was the son of God? Was crucified for what he believed in because of religious people. He was radical. He changed things. He was holy. It's not a religious thing. It's an obedient love thing. I don't want to get ahead of myself. We're going to talk about love. It's not a religious thing. It's an obedient love thing. I'm in love, so I'm, an, I'm obedient. James 4, 4 through 8 in the Amplified. Says you are like unfaithful wives, having illicit love affairs with the world and breaking your marriage vow to God. Do you not know that being the world's friend is being God's enemy? So whoever chooses to be a friend of the world takes his stand as an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that the scripture is speaking to no purpose that says the spirit whom he has caused to dwell in us yearns over us and he yearns for the spirit to be welcomed with a jealous love. But he gives us more and more grace, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That is why he says God sets himself against the proud and haughty but gives grace continually to those lowly enough, humble enough to receive it. So be subject to God, resist the devil, stand firm against him and he'll flee from you. Come close to God and he will come close to you. 
Recognize that you are sinners and get your soiled hands clean. Realize that you have been disloyal, wavering individuals with divided interest and purify your hearts of your spiritual adultery. This scripture, it breaks my heart. Let's look at it. So, first, first sentence, you are unfaithful wives, breaking your marriage vow to God. This is what it looks like to God when we are constantly wavering. I'm holy one day, I'm unholy the next. It says that we have divided interest. We're double-minded. Yeah. A double-minded man is unstable in every way. We are married to Jesus. And we are one with him. He says that the spirit whom he has called to dwell in us yearns over us. The word yearn means to have an intense feeling or longing for. Your Father, the very Spirit of God on the inside of you, is yearning for you. Yearning for you to live in holiness and remain in holiness. He yearns for you. He says he, it has to have an intense feeling or longing. He longs for us. A pure spotless us that's not chasing after other things of the world one minute and the next on your face worshiping him with unclean hands he's not a God that deserves that I want you to know everything that I'm saying I had to swallow first um the word jealous, he says he wants to be welcomed with a jealous love. He has a jealous love over us. He's yearning for us. The word jealous means demanding faithfulness and exclusive worship. Exclusive. That's one. Only. Worship is the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration. I worship God with holiness. Holiness becomes an outward and inward expression of worship and reverence. He's a jealous God and he's asking for exclusive worship. Worship to him and him alone. We look like, Scott, when you were going into that spontaneous volleyball, I was like, he is going where I'm going. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, we look like the one that we worship. So wherever our focus is set, that's what we worship. If I'm worshiping me, my wants, then I'll look like flesh. But when I'm worshiping Abba, my holy father, then I'll look like him. I, me, must be sacrificed, laid down on the altar. Yeah. 
because it's not about me. It's about him. And he deserves a holy and pure bride. He deserves that. I look at all of this like in a marriage, and, and Pastor helped me see it this way too. When I made the statement that I'd rather be too strict and be holy than not strict enough and you know risk holiness, I can't be too committed to Colby, right? I mean, he's my husband. I'm married to him. I can't be too committed to him, too faithful. You don't hear anybody saying when you're out in the community together or whatever, Taylor's just too committed to her husband. She needs to get on off that a little bit. No, you don't hear anyone saying that because I'm committed to him. He's committed to me. We're one. I exclusively love him and him alone. But why is it that when God is asking us of the same, do we begin to say, oh, that's just too much, it's too religious? Why? Why would it look any different if we're married to him? It says that we're his bride. Why would it look any different? We're either all holy or we're not at all. Yes, we are developing holiness. Okay? We're going to get into that. We are developing and we are maturing in holiness. But I can't live on the fence. We all know the scripture in Revelation 3.16, but because you're neither hot or cold but lukewarm, I'll spit you from my mouth. I don't want to ride the fence I don't want to try to be in the world and in Jesus, of the world and of Jesus. I'm either all holy or I'm not at all. So the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us, right? Back to the example of me and Colby... As one, we are married. Because I love him, I'm going to take whatever measures, I'm going to go whatever cost it, take to, it takes to protect our marriage. Okay? Whether that be, I mean, I don't have to name all the details. You just, you know, whatever it, whatever it takes to protect your marriage. Okay? Communication, removing um, things from your life that are impure, that are, you get what I'm saying? I'm going to protect him. I'm going to protect our marriage. I'm not going to put myself in a position to be unfaithful to him. I'm going to remove anything that could cause me to be unfaithful to him and same for him as me. So we take the, we take the extra step to remain holy in our marriage. We protect our marriage. So if I'm protecting if I'm a Christian, I should be, I want to make sure I get this out right. I should be protecting the one that's on the inside of me. I should be protecting the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of me. What are we willing, how far are we willing to go to to protect it? What are we willing to remove? What are we willing to sacrifice to protect the Holy Spirit on the inside of us? Hebrews 12, 14 says, Strive. 
don't know if I say that too fast. Hebrews 12, 14. Strive for peace and for holiness, without which none will see the Lord. I want to see the Lord. I want to see Jesus in his fullness and in his righteousness and who he is. I want to see him and in his goodness. I want to see him. The word strive means to make great efforts to achieve or obtain something. Fight vigorously for. We must fight with everything in us to remain holy, to protect what's been put on the inside of us because what's been put on the, in the, on the inside of us isn't cheap. It's not cheap. He paid a price, a high price, to deposit the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Like Josh bring out, brought out Sunday, he says, Jesus said, I must go so that the Holy Spirit can come. It wasn't cheap to put him on the inside of us. So what are we going to do to protect it? Yeah. Strive and fight vigorously for holiness. The word vigorous means forceful. All of y'all might know what these words mean right off. It's like I know what they mean, but I'm like, let me get it a little bit lower so I can really understand it. So the word vigorous means forceful. When I read that scripture, or when I, when I read that definition, forceful, the uh, Holy Spirit brought two scriptures to mind. Matthew eleven twelve. the kingdom is violent, and the violent take it by force. The kingdom is not something that we can just mosey around in, and if it ha whatever happens, it happens, and it is what it is type of mindset. I must protect holiness with everything on the inside of me, because there's that actual enemy that hates who's on the inside of me. And he will go at whatever he has to do, at whatever length he has to go to, to remove who's on the inside of you. Right? So I must protect him, protect the holiness that's within me, forcefully. The second scripture it brought me to is John 2, 15 through 17. I'm not going to read it. But it's the, it's the story of Jesus in the temple. He walks into the temple and there's, there's thieves and there's people selling stuff. And it's, um, it's become an unholy house. And in the Passion Translation, Jesus cracks a, wh a whip. In the Passion Translation it says, I am consumed with a fiery passion to keep your house pure. Pure and holiness go hand in hand. We must become consumed with a fiery passion to keep his house holy. We are the temple of God. God resides here. He resides in me, in you. We must become consumed. This has become my prayer. God, consume me with a fiery passion to keep this house that you reside in pure and holy. Because that's what you deserve. That's what you ask for. We're not striving to stay away from sin, but we're striving to protect what's in us. How do we protect it and stay holy? There's three different things we're going to look at. <laughs> these are not just the only three. I'm sure there's others. If y'all have anything you want to add, throw it out there. But these are the three that Holy Spirit brought me to. 
Number one is by his grace. His beautiful, merciful grace. We read this in the previous scripture in James 4. And he says, but he gives grace continually to the lowly. When we humble ourselves before him and know that we are nothing and can do nothing without him, his grace covers us. His grace constantly reminds us that we can live holy as he is holy. It's our ammunition against the devil. Grace is not, we know that there's this craziness going on right now, preaching grace, grace just covers everything because it's his grace and we can do what we want, we can live how we want, and his grace just covers us because he's a good God. He is a good God, but he's a holy God, and he asks us to be holy. So it's not this grace that just covers everything that we do, and he just, for, I mean, yes, he forgives it all when we, when we live in repentance. Hear what I'm saying? But... This grace is what empowers me to live holy because it's by his grace. He went on a cross and he died for me. And because of what he did for me, I get to say no to sin and protect what's on the inside of me. That's what grace does. 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says, Beloved ones, the promises with promises like these and because of our deepest respect and worship of God, we must remove everything from our lives that contaminates body and spirit. This is the Passion Translation. And continue to complete the development of holiness within us. Holiness in us was finished on the cross, but I'm continuing to mature in that holiness. His grace helps me mature. This is something I've had to continually remind myself of. I can be my biggest critic. I'm sure every one of us in here can be our biggest critic and the hardest on ourselves. And when God started um, just really laying this on my heart and stuff, I started praying, God, you know, I just want to look just like you, burn away everything that doesn't look like you, make me holy. And he began to show me the things that needed to be removed. And when he showed me those things, I immediately went inward, just being vulnerable. I went inward and I was like, like, what, what did I do? I, I, thought I, we were, I thought I was becoming holy, and I was looking more like you, and y'all, you're showing me all these things that doesn't look like you, and it hurts, and it's ugly, and it's a mess, I feel like. And it's like I could see him, because Colby does this to me whenever I'm like, ha, ah, he'll just do like that. And I could see Holy Spirit in the Spirit doing that. He was like, daughter, you asked me to do this, and so I'm giving you what you asked me for. You asked me to make you like me, and so that's what I'm doing but give yourself grace. I said all that to say that. Give yourself grace because God is giving you grace to continually mature and continually develop this holiness. So don't freak out when he begins to show you things that don't need to be there anymore. He's a God of love, and when you love someone, you discipline them, right? You discipline your kids because you love them. This is what this is. Because he so loves us, he disciplines us. Yield yourself to that discipline, and he'll, you'll begin to see yourself begin to look more like the image of Jesus. Because as a Christian, this should be our heart cry, to look more like Jesus. Okay, um, the second one is to live in repentance and reverence to God. In Greek, repentance means a change of mind. Repentance means a change of mind. This repentance is not about shame or guilt, 
but it's about totally changing your mind and facing a whole new direction. So the way that I used to think is no longer acceptable. I, I can't think the same way, I know y'all have heard this before, and get the same results. I have to totally allow him to renew my mind, and right, we were supposed to renew our minds daily, so this is a daily process of renewing my mind to look like his. A daily, we don't just repent one time and we move on with it. It's a daily lifestyle of repentance, of getting before him and saying, Jesus, I'm unholy, and I want to look like you. Give me your grace and help me walk through this, this maturing place of holiness that you're calling me to because I can't do this without you. Humbling yourself enough to receive grace and knowing we cannot do this on our own. Um, and then we have reverence. Reverence is a deep respect, fear, and wonder. I want you all to look back at the very first scripture I read. You don't have to go there, but um, 1 Peter 1, 14, I mean, 1 and 17 is the last part. He says, And if you call upon him as your father, then you should conduct yourselves with true reverence. If you're going to call him Father, he demands reverence. It's not he's asking, would you please reverence me? He demands reverence. Awe and wonder. When I say reverence, I'm not talking about, you know, we, we hear all the time he's a big man upstairs, he's my dude, he's my homie, he's my friend. It's gotten to where when I hear the, those type of things, it just grieves me. Because yes, he is my friend, but he's my holy father above everything else. He's the omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's holy. He's righteous. He's the alpha. He's the omega, the beginning from the end. He is holy God. He's almighty. That's who God is. God is God and he's holy. And he's asking us to reverence him with awe and wonder. I believe that whenever we stopped reverencing him, we stopped being holy. Because if I don't honor and respect someone... I'm not going to reverence you. I'm not going to live in, in what you're asking me to live in if I don't honor and respect you. <laughs> We're going there. <laughs> we must bring reverence back into our hearts. <coughs> And number three, communing with him. Because I can't do any of the other that we've talked about without communing with him first. Colossians 1, 21 to 22 says, Even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions. He reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. And now there is nothing between you and Father God for he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. When we dwell we remain holy. In that scripture, it says that we were created to dwell in his presence. He reconnected us back to himself so that I would dwell. 
To dwell, it means to remain, right? To abide. I was going to go there, but the word abide actually means to continue without fading. That I'm not in one minute, not the next. I'm not dwelling one day and not the next. That I'm remaining in a place. And I'm not, you know, when we're, when we're talking about dwelling in a, and staying in a constant place of prayer and stuff, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to never leave your house and not go into the, you know, to the world and all that. It just means keep, where is your heart posture throughout the day? Do I leave God at home? Do I leave Holy Spirit at home in my prayer closet? Or do I take him with me to, to carry on, to go throughout the day with me? Am I remaining in his presence? If we love God, we'll pursue holiness because that's what he asks of us. It's in us to just want to please who we love. I love Colby, so I want to please him. I, I, I like to do things that he likes around the house. And like one, one thing... The bed, you know, this is a silly example, but I'm not one that like I just don't always make the bed. I never really did growing up unless my mom made me. And um, but Colby always said, made the comment one time, I love when the bed's made when you, when you come home because you get to, you know, just get into it at night. It like feels good to be in a freshly made bed and all that. He just made that comment one time. And because I loved him, it became something that I did that every morning when I got out of the bed, I would just make the bed because it pleased him. He liked the way that it looked. And... <laughs> But a silly example, but I went, the, even though I never did it, it wasn't something that I just naturally thought about doing. Because he, but because he asked, he liked that, because he, that pleased him, I went out of my way in the mornings, even if I was running late, to make my bed up because he liked that when he got home. You'll please the one that you're in love with. Matthew 22 37, Jesus answered him, Love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, and with every thought that is within you. Like I said in the very beginning, this isn't just a behavioral or an action thing. It's your heart posture. It's, my, it's what I'm thinking in moment to moment. Even my thoughts can love him. I must do everything in the mindset of pleasing God, of pleasing my Father, pleasing the one who is so in love with me. Holiness isn't a behavioral issue. It's a love issue. It's all about love. I'll go the extra mile because I love you. The, um, you know, when, a lot of times whenever you, like I said earlier, when you, you hear the word holiness and stuff, you think, oh my gosh, we're going back to the religious stuff, you know, in which I'm so excited, Holy Spirit is destroying that mindset, because yeah. it's not, like I said earlier, it's not a religious thing. But um, immediately, sometimes it almost feels like, oh, here we go with the holiness, and I'm, you're about to have to make me give up stuff, and it's kind of just something that we, we tend to just default in our in our mind just here we go you know with holiness but i read the scripture psalm 1611 in your holy presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore 
whenever I am in love with him, holiness is fun. Holiness brings me joy because I'm beginning to look more like my father. At, in his presence, when I'm dwelling with him, it says that there's joy forevermore. There's pleasures at his right hand forevermore. So holiness isn't this thing that is, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, huh? Yeah, it's not this constrictive thing that I'm confined and it's I'm getting to walk into so much freedom that there's joy in this. I'm no longer bound to things that I used to be bound to. I'm no longer bound to old mindsets. You're so renewing my mind to think like yours that holiness is freedom. Holiness is joy. True holiness is delightful and joyful because I'm in love. When we truly love God, the more holy we become, the more joyful we are because we're looking more like him, the one we're in love with. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands, John 14, 15. I am given the power to obey when I love him. John 14, 15. When I love, it's easy for me to live. What did I say live me meant? To make your home in. When I love, it's easy for me to make my home in obedience because I'm empowered. I'm empowered to do so. Holiness isn't fixing your behaviors. It's falling more in love with the one who is holy. So all of this comes back to communing, reverencing him, and understanding this grace. I can't, I can't live in holiness without knowing those three, without abiding, without reverencing and living in a daily place of repentance. And without so understanding that his grace is empowering me, not enabling, but empowering. He's coming back for a spotless, pure bride inside and out. Not just what I look like on the outside, but where is my heart? Where is my heart posture? I don't even know how to end this. Can somebody come play? I'm so passionate about holiness and Throughout these several months and of me studying all of this, um, there's a scripture in First, I think it's First Timothy or Second Timothy, when um, Paul says, "Continually stir up the passion within you that was brought on by the laying of the hands." Isn't that in First Timothy? Something like that. Um, I would pray that over myself constantly about these things that He was showing me. God, continually 
keep me passionate. I don't want this to just be a, I'm passionate about it and it sounds good, but then go back to old ways of thinking. I have been praying daily, God, keep this burning inside of me. And I just was weeping over our body this morning because I could feel his heart that if they'll just catch this, if they'll just catch how in love I am with them and how I so yearn for them as a holy, spotless, and pure bride, how I yearn for their exclusive worship, I'm taking them higher. I'm taking them deeper. We've only scratched the surface of who he is. And like I said, this is just this is one attribute of God. But knowing that he is God, knowing that he is my holy father is what continually stirs up this passion in me. I keep doing that. I'm sorry. Continually is what stirs up his passion in me. But it's because he's worthy. It's because he's deserving that I want to live in this place. So I, I just pray that this brings conviction and not condemnation. I don't want anything that I said to, to do anything but that. But just bring an awareness, bring a value on holiness like we've never seen before. To just come up higher. So God, I just ask that you begin to move in this place. You've already done so much tonight, God. I honor you and I thank you for everything that was said. But God, I don't want us to forget about this tonight when we leave, God. I want this to continually stir up within us, God. Days and weeks and months and years from now, Father. God, I thank you that you would remind us of tonight, God. The moment that you brought conviction back into our hearts over holiness. And God, I pray for the grace to continually grow and continually um, abide in you and develop this holiness, Father. God, tonight we repent and we put you back on the throne. We take ourselves off the throne, Father, and we put you back on the throne tonight, God. You are God. You're the Alpha. You're the Omega. You're omnipresent. You're almighty. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.